0: Three, three, two, two, one, one. Who's the best,
1: the, best, the best? Welcome to Who's the Best with me, Sandro Minetti. This is the podcast that debates and decides the top pop culture icons... These arguments have raged all the way from Liverpool to Los Angeles. Today, we're discussing the best pop group of all time. That's right, Kajagoogoo. No, oh, <laughs> no, only joking, <laughs> the Beatles. Oh, the Beatles. But which of the Beatles is the best? Is it John, Paul, George or Ringo? Discussing that question with me, fellow Beatles fans, award-winning actor Harry Van Gorkum... You can't buy me a Ringo. (laughs) And comedy giant Emma Pine.
2: Thanks, I wouldn't want it, not at any price.
1: (laughs) Later, we'll be joined by members of Paul McCartney's own family to share stories of the band and make their choice for the best Beatle. And it may not be who you think. We'll also hear from someone who knows all about boy bands, Matt Goss of Bros fame, who will be sharing (gasps) his opinions. Wow. You know, guys, recently I was lucky enough to go to Liverpool and do the tour, visit all the Beatles' locations, Penny Lane, Strawberry Fields. But the thing that struck me most was visiting the Beatles' childhood homes. Three of them are National Trust properties, government-owned and restored – but Ringo's isn't. Yes, he doesn't get any respect. <laughs> oh. There's A trailer, a
2: trailer. Still in the re- trailer. Oh, Ringo. There it
1: is. A two up, two down <laughs> in the dilapidated end of Liverpool Eight. An area so rough that it's they use it now for filming of the TV show. Peaky blinders. And even though that show's set in the past, they don't need to dress the set. You know, it still looks ancient. And and uh, Ringo's house is is in a street which is so there's a sign saying, you know, non-council operated. The the, the garbage the binmen will not pick up. From from that wow. street, they have to dispose of their rubbish. This is where Ringo came from. Emma, I know um, you took the uh, the tour of the Beatles. I did. I got, as Ringo's well. really got a
2: Cinderella story, hasn't he? I love yeah. that. Um, yeah, I took that. I took that tour a few years ago. And you know what really stuck out for me was the, the. I still see the bus stop where John Lennon's mother Julia was killed crossing the road. I remember that, and John was only eighteen. And I think God, wow. you kind of forgive somebody a lot of things. When your mother died, when no. you're young, you know? No.
1: And it and it gave him a sort of reservoir and pain and feeling that that maybe, you know, output even more emotion and feeling into these uh, classic songs.
3: Yep, certainly did. Certainly did. And uh I must say, I didn't realise that Richard Starkey, of course, is his real name, was, 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 was from the poorest, poorest area of Liverpool. I had no idea.
1: Liverpool 8, yeah, which was the, uh, the name of uh, one of his uh, recent albums, yeah. of, of, of course. Now, um, no, Harry and Emma, you both became friends separately with Julian Lennon. How, yes. did, how did that come about?
2: Yeah, I think we might have the same story. I was hanging out with some people at the, uh, the Wellington Club in London And uh, there's a guy sitting next to me and we're getting on really well and he's very nice. So we decide to friend each other on Facebook and he says his name is Julian. So I, I scroll down to try and find him on Facebook and he said, oh, you won't be able to find me. And I said, oh, right. What's your what's your surname? He goes, Lennon. And I'm like, oh, my God, you're Julian Lennon. You're John Lennon's son. And I just couldn't think of anything else cool to say. And I was like,
3: did you ever speak to him again after that?
2: Oh yeah, we're, st- we're oh, still, we're still, yeah, fan? we're still friends, and we follow each other on Instagram now as well. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes a, he wishes me happy birthday. Does he? <laughs> yeah.
3: Oh, that's sweet. He's
2: a very nice guy.
1: He's a lovely guy. Well, I hope he'll follow this podcast. Who is the best podcast on <laughs> exactly. uh, on, uh, on in- Instagram? What was your experience of meeting uh, Julian?
3: I was out a rare night for me, partying in Hollywood when I first came. To very rare, night. very rare. Didn't go out much, uh, and I think it was actually New Year's Eve. It was some big occasion, and so we were in various nightclubs and bars on the Sunset Strip, and. I was being loud, which is unusual for me. And some really nice bloke came over and started talking to me. So, oh, you're from England too. I'm, in from, I'm from England. We got talking and having a laugh, and he was a really good bloke. And there was something when I looked at him, I thought, you remind you me of like someone. You look like John Lennon. <laughs> what is it? Who do you remind me of? <laughs> but I, I didn't sort of think about it too much. Anyway, we, we became good friends that night, and, and we actually me and him in the end ended up somehow in Harry Dean Stanton's house. You name dropper. That's playing, a better story than, playing, playing than mine. Playing pool. So Harry was saying, Harry, it's your shot, Harry. And I'm going, I'm going to take my shot, Harry. And it's only then when Harry Dean Stanton said, Julian, who is this kid? And I thought, oh, Julian. I think I think actually I went to the bathroom and I was in the bathroom thinking, Julian, oh, that's who he looks like. It's Julian bloody Lennon. Yeah. So I walked out and I thought, I've got to keep my cool, keep my cool, keep my cool. And I went up to him a bit like you and I went, Julian, he said, yeah. I said, You know what Julian Lennon are? You said, Yeah. <laughs>
2: look like yeah. John Lennon I said that's what that's what
3: but he has become and it's one of the things that I'm not sort of Instagram friends with him and stuff because I don't do that stuff I should do more of it because he's a very prolific photographer now yeah he's actually a Instagram. brilliant photographer a brilliant
2: songwriter as well I mean it's hard for somebody oh, yeah, like that good. to grow up in the shadow yeah. of his father but he's very humble very something humble. his father was and not I saw, him,
3: I saw him probably 10 years later somewhere in London in a in a club or a pub or something, he came up and said, "Hi, Harry, how you doing?" And oh, I'm wow. like, "Julian, how you
1: doing?" Wow! So he's a he's, yeah, a, he's good, a nice brown on the feet guy. Yeah, the apple doesn't ground fall on far from the feet. F- the apple doesn't feet fall far from the tree. I mean, uh, if you ask me, Julian's songs like uh, "Just Too Late for Goodbyes" and "Saltwater," you know, yeah. are up there with yeah, everything as good as anything the Beatles they ever really are. wrote. Saltwater's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Giving us his appreciation of the Beatles now is someone who knows all about wildly popular boy bands, Matt Goss of Bros. Calm yourself, everybody. I'm especially looking at you, Harry. <laughs> they sold 17 million records worldwide and had number one hits in 22 countries. Then Matt became a hugely successful solo performer in Las Vegas, where he just celebrated 10 years as a headliner. After seeing his great show at the Mirage,
4: I asked him
1: what made the Beatles the best.
4: For me, what made the Beatles so great is that they were so innovative and when they were lucky enough to find George Martin and record the way they did at Abbey Road and layer instruments and and actually literally create music that people had never heard. And the fifth Beatle, George Martin, managed to create lightning in a bottle so many times. And even now you listen to those... Recordings and think how on earth did they come up with those ideas back then? And just every single one was just inventive and, and inspiring and made you think and made you feel way beyond music had ever done before. And I think the way the Beatles thought was radical, the way they recorded the songs they wrote, and they also managed to do the hardest thing of all, and that was write hit songs while still maintaining artistic integrity.
1: Matt thinks it's the differences between Lennon and McCartney that made them such a great songwriting team.
4: John Lennon's depth and almost dark approach to writing pop songs is a necessity to the contrast of Paul McCartney's effortless pop vocal, which is probably technically better, but they really are a necessity for each other. And the Beatles wouldn't exist without those two contrasts.
1: But he says we shouldn't underestimate the part George Harrison played in the group's success.
4: George Harrison, to me, wrote some of the greatest songs of all time. And I always wondered to myself if George had actually inserted or was allowed to be inserted into the songwriting process at the time what we would have heard. George Harrison wrote something, one of the the Beatles' most covered songs, actually. Sinatra said it was one of the greatest love songs of the last 50 years.
1: When the chairman of the board, Frank Sinatra, praises a
4: love song, that's praise indeed.
1: As for Matt's favourite Beatles songs?
4: When I listen to Sergeant Pepper and I listen to The Layers, I'm still in awe of everything. I will say this as well, Blackbird, one of my most favourite, favourite songs, and also Eleanor Rigby. The strings-only version of Eleanor Rigby. It's an incredible... Masterclass, I guess into how a string section should be written and it just also lets you know how vital that composition is to Eleanor Rigby and that is where the fifth Beatle comes in and that's George Martin.
1: Eleanor Rigby. Uh, one of Matt Goss's favourites. Uh, thank you, Matt.
2: Well, I did get hit on by his brother Luke in a grocery store. He did? Here. Yeah. I I Yeah, it was summer. I was wearing a little summer dress and walking by. And he goes, oh, I was just telling somebody that there's beauty everywhere in life, everywhere you look, and then you oh, suddenly yeah. just walk by. I, I was totally charmed. Oh, I ended nice. up. I actually yeah. ended up I'm giving right him my I'm email. <laughs> we emailed back and forth for a little while.
1: Wow. <laughs> How about that? Uh, any thoughts on a bross yourself, Harry? I was a brosser. I'm sure. I can see. I can i could see that you were so from matt goss to angie mccartney paul mccartney's stepmother she married paul's widowed dad jim in 1964 and i asked her about memories of life with the beatles and what each of them were really like uh first i wanted to know what angie thought attracted so many people to the beatles
0: well now that's a tough question um, I think in the, initially what attracted people to them was their sense of humour because, you know, they're all born in Liverpool and you come ready packaged with a sense of humour. And they had this great wit and, you know, fellow, fellowship together because they travelled so much together. They slept in similar hotel rooms and they were literally like a family. And... Uh, I think the main thing was their sense of humour. And then, of course, if you've ever seen the footage of some of those earlier press conferences, you can see how they bounced off each other and really, you know, had some of the press on their toes, wondering what on earth they were talking about half of the time, especially when they first came to America, where they had difficulty in understanding their accents to start with.
1: How can they not understand Scouse? To be fair, their accents weren't even that strong when you think about it. So anyway, what does Angie remember about how the legends wrote their music?
0: I can remember when we'd go down and stay in Paul's house in London sometimes. John would come round and Paul had a a little den upstairs and they'd go and thrash things out. Maybe somebody would have a half a line or a few words or a scruffy little bit of paper or a napkin from a, a restaurant or a bar and they'd sit with these things and kick them around until suddenly something clicked and they had a song it was just it was just amazing but uh, they didn't think so it was just something they did you know they'd both been into music since they were preteens and really didn't think about anything else
1: and what are her memories of George Harrison
0: Oh, I don't know. There were so many different things, because George, who, of course, was the youngest when he joined, he I think he was a bit overwhelmed. I mean, who wouldn't be with those two stronger characters? And he he was a great guitar player, but, but rather introverted, as I remember him when I first knew him. And obviously, as time went on, he became more confident in his music. And, and of course, when he started to get into Indian music, that opened a whole new kind of worms for all of them. And, you know, I, I like to think if it hadn't been for George, there wouldn't be all the Indian restaurants and fashions and all the things that came about. In fact, I was told by, I think it was George's mum, Louise, tell me that uh, he financed the first Indian restaurant that was opened in London. And of course, we all know where that led. I mean, you know, the world is snooing with uh, Indian restaurants now. Thank goodness. George
1: Harrison. Thanks for the memories and the poppadoms. But we can't forget about Ringo, of course.
0: Now, Ringo was the last one to join the party and uh, he just fit right in because of his droll sense of humour and what I didn't realise in those days was that he was left-handed and, you know, they'd often go to places where the drum kit was already set up And the technicians had always assumed that everybody was right-handed. So he really had to, you know, hone his skills to be able to play left-handed. And, of course, Paul was left-handed, which is a very interesting thought. They had two lefties and two righties. And, of course, well, it worked out, didn't it?
1: Did it ever. Angie also mentioned that John and Paul were pretty close.
0: Well, when... John no longer had a home on Merseyside. Paul used to bring him home quite often for weekends and the two boys would go off and have walks and go on a couple of adventures to local pubs and odd things like that. They went to a a house estate sale one time and they'd been to the pub, had a couple of drinks and were feeling no pain and were both... in. Different parts of the room bidding on the same piece of stuff. And it turned out to be the linoleum they were standing on. (laughs) One time they went out to Chester, which is a little town close by, and they went round the antique shops. And when they came home, Paul said oh, there'll be a truck coming tomorrow, Ange, with some stuff we've bought. I said, stuff? What kind of stuff? He said, oh, well, i bought a pine bed for upstairs and John's bought a big crucifix and I'm sure it was the original one. <laughs> it was so big when it came and it was absolutely full of woodworm. Well, you would be after all those years, wouldn't you?
1: That could be worth a fortune now, minus the woodworm. Now, John Lennon... Mr Peace and Love, it turns out, could be pretty rude and entitled. Not that Angie was putting up with any of that.
0: Well, there was a time when he waggled his cup and saucer at me. I'd made tea for them all, like you do, all the time. And I went in the lounge and he just, he wasn't looking at me, he was talking to Paul across the room and just put his right arm up in the air and waggled a cup of saucer at me. And I said, excuse me? Uh, uh, we have a word in this house, please. Because I was very particular about manners and both Jim and Paul winced and went, you don't don't tell John what to do. But I did and he didn't mind. He He said, oh, I'm sorry, Ange. Can I have another cup of tea, please? I said, now you can, yes. And years later, Cynthia told me that he said once, I really respected Ange for standing up to me.
1: Manners are always so important. My mum taught me that too. So after all that... Who does she think was the best beetle?
0: The best beetle? Oh, now, that's a trick question. Fancy asking me that. You don't really expect me to say. But if pressed, I would say George Martin, the late George Martin, and probably ably assisted by... Jeff Emmerich, who was his wonderful engineer, I think the two of them, between them, had so many different skills and approaches to put to the boys when they were still fairly new at the game, you know, but they sort of licked them into shape and made a lot of suggestions as to how they could better things. Yeah, that's my choice. They weren't the best Beatles, Okay, That's the only answer you're getting from me.
1: (laughs) There's a surprise. Producer George Martin... And sound engineer Jeff Emmerich get Angie McCartney's vote for Best Beatle. Who'd have thought it? Talking of things we didn't know, it's time for Emma's four facts. Ah yes. In this indeed. I love the theme music, Emma. So in this section, Emma explains four supposed facts about the Beatles and sees if Harry and Sandro can work out which one isn't true. You think
2: you know it all? Let's Uh, see what you know. know Okay, so fact number one. Yes. The Beatles' first experience of LSD came when George Harrison's dentist slipped it into their coffee unbeknownst to them. Whoa. Fact number two, Mae West. If anyone doesn't know who she is, look her up. She's one of the original Hollywood icons. That's just for the younger viewers. But Mae West apparently wouldn't allow her picture to be used on the Sgt. Pepper album cover, but changed her mind after each Beatle wrote her a personal letter. Hmm. Mm. Fact number three, Beatles concerts smelled heavily of urine as, what? Uh, Yeah, as so many girls would pee themselves uh, with excitement. Oh, dear. Oh, like and people
1: the, do listen to this <laughs> podcast. Oh, my
2: God. I'm peeing myself right now. Oh, no. I thought um, that was a funny spelling. <laughs> <here.
1: laughs>
2: and final fact, on one occasion, the Beatles met Elvis Presley and John Lennon challenged him to a fight. What? You got oh, three truths oh, oh. and one lie. Harry, Which you, who, is the lie? Um,
1: right, Harry, go. who do you think would win a fight between John Lennon and Elvis Presley? <laughs> I think John Lennon. <laughs>
2: yeah, I think Hands so too. Down. I can't
3: headbutton. see Elvis yes. Presley fighting anyone like, what's the hair what's the hair, man? Yes. yes. Uh, thank
1: you very much.
4: Don't
1: touch the face. <laughs> so I, I, I don't Ooh. know. Um, let's take them one by one. one. By the one. Beatles' first experience of LSD mm. came when George Harrison's dentist, you said? Yes. Slipped it so. into their coffee, unbeknownst now, to them. Wouldn't that be illegal somehow? I mean, wouldn't that be dealing? Wouldn't that be like
3: putting? I mean, they're the Beatles, for goodness' sake. Yeah, but it was the sixties. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, why, listen. I think the Beatles didn't they go? to... Didn't George? George was a big in. He loved India. George was the one who took him to India, wasn't he? What's that got to do with the LSD? Because I think that's where they fell found in the influence of drugs and oh, LSD I see. in India. All right, okay. and they met the Maharishi. Yeah, I don't think that it yet. happened locally in their dentist's office in, in London. So somewhere. you
1: think that's the fake? Do you think I, that's the fake I, one? I think
3: that's the dodgy one. Yeah.
1: Um, May May West, you know, getting a letter from each of the Beatles. Well, you know, this this happens, doesn't it? Negotiations, yeah. it's like, yes. well, I'll do it if you do do this. I mean, so Epstein probably said, "Write
3: her a nice letter, boys, and
1: we'll win her over."
5: Write her a love letter, you know. You know. You know. Yeah. You know. yeah.
1: Um. Yeah, I. Yeah, I can believe that being believe true, that. and I. I mean, I can believe the Beatles' concert smelling of the.
3: Of I mean, roof. honestly, it makes sense because honestly, the noise was. The, the Beatles apparently weren't the greatest musicians in the world. They and like you said, like like, your your last. You know, what's her name? Angie. Glad you made such an impact, <laughs> Ruth. <Roof. laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Well, they
2: definitely got better Sorry. as time went on. Well, but they maybe, got better, yeah. But I think
3: I think the screaming. You, yeah, please. But the screaming you couldn't hear most of their music. So the screaming yeah, was so loud. I true. do believe that those girls and maybe some They'd guys lost, too yeah. were peeing themselves. You,
1: you're at, right. I you mean, know, so. I asked my mother who lives in Blackpool. She saw the uh, the, the Beatles in in, in Blackpool. I said like, wow. If I had a time machine, wow. I would I would travel oh, back God. to that. Concert, you know, see the Beatles in, in my hometown. She said, No, it, it wasn't really that. I didn't hear a single bit of music. Yeah. All you could hear was that was the screams, Screaming. you know.
2: And did your mum pee herself? Well, Should no, we get her on the phone now and ask question. her? you ask
1: know. Her like, her so, you know what time is phone. it? Mom. We're recording this show in Los Angeles. She's in England. And because of the time difference, yeah. I don't think I can wake <laughs> her up and say, Mum, in yeah. 1964, did you pee yourself yeah. when watching the Beatles?
3: And you don't want <gasps> those people throwing their pants on the stage, do you, no. really? No, you know. Sorry, you
2: Mom, did you give up your knickers to john lennon <laughs> did you and throw on your the knickers one
1: occasion the beatles met elvis presley did john yeah. lennon fight him i think it's probably more likely they did drugs together i, yeah, think, I, I would yeah. think but i, I, I mean, mean i don't know the, john lennon would probably say he did and he didn't but or? it is true that they they did uh meet i think in benedict canyon when john lennon was renting a mansion there and the beatles were in town they did all all get together for that for that one meeting um so yeah i can't believe that so what are you going to um, go for you're going for the LSD as the lie. I'm going for the LSD as the lie. I am i don't believe that John Lennon challenged him to a fight. Emma, what's the answer?
2: So, Sandra's right. Oh, I'm right. Yeah. So, so, actually, the Beatles experienced that their dentist had started hanging out with them. He was part of their social group, and apparently John Lennon and Paul McCartney had told him, the dentist had already started doing LSD, but they had told the dentist, put it somewhere, give it to us, when we're not, as a surprise, when we're not expecting it. Ah. So they all had a dinner party with their respective wives ah. one night and he slipped the LSD into their after-dinner coffee. Right. This I is I thought it was the dentist's
3: office. Yeah. I no,
2: a he, he, the dentist was hanging out with them. I just couldn't. So, um, oh, well, and I'm it's, The May West story is true. They all wrote her a personal letter. And yes, there was several people commented that there was rivulets of pee. Rolling down the aisles at Beatles concerts in the sixties, particularly in America, and yeah. So Sandra was right. Uh, Elvis Presley and John Lennon never had a fight, nor did John That's Lennon challenge him to That's a fight. That's a
3: shame.
1: I'd like to have seen that. I'd like to have seen
3: that. <laughs> that would be a fly on the wall, <laughs> pay per
1: view, yeah, celebrity. It's death all, match. all about Seriously. peace
2: and love. That would never then, have happened. peace and love, okay? Peace and love. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Maybe they
2: would love. have slept together. Maybe there was some kind of a yeah. That might have happened.
1: Wow, that was Sorry, wrong. I completely lost my place now. Uh, yes.
2: Some kind of a, an orgy maybe would have happened with the wives like Yoko Ono and Priscilla Presley. Maybe. Let's get this
1: show <laughs> back on track uh, uh, with another interview. I also chatted with Paul McCartney's stepsister, Ruth McCartney, who now lives out here in Los Angeles like we do, about what it's been like to have one of the world's biggest stars as a big brother, and, of course, later, who she thinks is the best Beatle. But first of all, I wanted to know what it was like, as a kid, to have such a famous pop star
5: around the house. Well, you know, when you, you say around the house, but you have to remember they were... Andrew and I married into the family, as it were, in 1964 in November. So they'd already done Ed Sullivan in the February of that year. And um, so they were on the road a lot when they weren't. Of course, you know, we lived up on the Wirral in Merseyside, which is 240 miles north of London. So Paul would come home more often than um, the others, of course, because, you know, it was the family home. And he and Jane initially, and then, uh, of course, he and Linda would come up. And it was just sort of like... Like anything, really, like your big brother coming home from his day job for the weekend. So it wasn't anything special. We'd do laundry and we'd go off to the newspaper shop and pick up all the the local newspapers and the racing form because my dad, Jim, liked to uh, flutter on the horses. And, you know, the occasional bar of Cadbury's Flake and get an ice cream and whatever. So it wasn't really like having a Beatle house guest for the weekend. It was just Paul coming home and kicking his shoes off and relaxing. She also said that Paul and John were close friends despite the pressures of fame. Occasionally he'd bring John up with him for the weekend because John didn't really have any family per se left in Liverpool in the area. So when he'd come up north, he'd stay with us. And he actually... (laughs) He was he was looking out of one of the back bedroom windows one day and he saw me keep falling off my bike and they used to call me Scabby because I was forever falling off my bike and Scabbing my knees and we, we've got postcards sent from all over the world from Paul, Dear Dad, Ange and Scabby. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Um, So John benevolently got up one Sunday morning with, a, I suspect, a hangover. And, uh, yeah, I was riding around and around. So he sort of taught me how to ride a bike, which is actually quite, you know, uh, metaphorical, I suppose you would say, because every time something, you know, knocks knocks the wind out of you, I think, well, what would John Lennon say? Get back on, keep riding, keep going. So who is her
1: best beetle?
5: As far as picking a favourite, musically it's next to impossible but we cannot really go into the later years of the beatles without naming my personal favorite who was billy preston what a class act he was he was just a lovely man And I think it was great that, you know, the Beatles were the first people on contract from overseas to come to America and say that they would not play for segregated audiences. So I think it went a long way having an African-American man in the band who grew up in church music. But I think, you know, he, uh, as a great musician in his own right, Nothing From Nothing Leaves Nothing and all of the solo stuff that he did, he musically... Beyond stating the obvious, uh, I think Billy Preston's probably my favourite Beatle because he's just the odd man out.
1: Well, there's a shocker. Neither Angie McCartney nor Ruth McCartney vote for Paul McCartney as, as The Best <laughs> Beetle. That, says a, lot. This that podcast, says a lot. This
2: podcast is full of surprises. <laughs> now, she, was, she was probably sick of picking engineer. up his pants off the floor.
1: Yeah, <laughs> but honestly, there is that. That is a good point, Emma. So uh, John, Paul, George or Ringo. I'm going to continue the theme by saying The Best Beatle was brian epstein Whoa. that's right yeah the beatles manager to couldn't me, couldn't have done it without him he was to the beatles what simon fuller was to the spice girls because let's see where he was with the yeah they were playing the cavern club they were playing germany they were you know four scousers in black leather jackets yep. you know yep. he put them in suits he had the hair and he was a marketing genius today we always talk about the importance of brands he branded the beatles yes they were they were great but he really sent them into the stratosphere you know we all know in life as as performers you need the right management you know a push in the right direction and he really provided that so for me the best Beatle was not john paul george or ringo it was brian wow (laughs) controversial. <laughs> Emma, who's your favourite?
2: I'm going to go with Ringo Starr. I mean, you know, I want to say John Lennon or George Harrison. George Harrison was definitely the sexiest Beatle, but and uh, but I, uh, definitely Ringo Starr. I'm definitely going to say he was the underdog. I think he was the luckiest man in the world. I mean, <laughs> what does he play again? Was it the tambourine? Um, hey, hang on well, a, I, minute. You're a minute. Considering you're arguing
1: for him. You know, I'm
2: no, but for... I just think, like, you know, <laughs> arguably he was the, the Beatle with the least... Talent. Who placed <laughs> uh, there for the well, best? Well, no, stop. but no, but he just won in the lottery of life, and I love that. I love people like the Spice Girls. You know, random, not very talented people who just showed up, being in the right place at the right time, right, and got like won in the lottery of life. He's the luckiest man in the world. I, I got to give it to him. I, I, think, I think he's my favorite. Service. He's my favorite Beatle just because he won in the lottery of life. What, I love what's your
1: favorite Beatle song, Emma?
2: Um. There's lots of them, but I, my favourite is probably "Hey Jude" because when I was 16 with my first boyfriend, that was our song, and, and weddings and stuff, we'd always dance to "Hey Jude." So, and whenever I hear "Hey Jude" now, I, and it was written actually after Julian Lennon, our friend Julian then and, I always think of my first boyfriend when I was 16 with that song "Hey Jude." I mean, I. But there's there, is there any bad Beatles song? Come on. Well, a Burrah. lot of people
1: might say that Ringo's Octopus's Garden
3: well, yeah, is that's about okay. Beatles yes. song. But,
2: <laughs> but, but, but we're talking <laughs> about no, the I best Beatle. I, I I'm going to give it to Ringo because he's the luckiest man in the world. Who doesn't he's all, love...
3: He's also the... I saw him in concert. I saw him in concert, is, him in, concert in, a, in a small venue in Hollywood a few, a few years ago. And he was the most modest, self-effacing person I've ever yeah, met. Yeah. He was almost embarrassed to be up there with the adulation he got. <laughs> he was standing there like going mm. here's another song I've written it's not that great but I'm going to sing it anyway <laughs> no I you know, remember and, 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 I
1: didn't kind of see his point It's not that <laughs> great
3: we'll sing it anyway. he's been <laughs> listening least, to I mean, he,
2: yes. kno- he knows he knows what he, he knows, is he knows, he knows what, what he you see that's it we love that but somebody think, knows I, but, what they but are but I
3: think it was that chemistry between the four of them yeah it was so without the exactly. Ringo without the Ringo the chemical element, you wouldn't have the Beatles. Yeah. You've got to have the four of them together to make the sound and the music they made. Now, and,
1: the four the of them didn't just make music. They also made movies. You know, uh, Harry, as an actor yourself, who was the best actor in the Beatles?
3: Well, f- funnily enough, it was Ringo. Really? Ringo, Ringo, without a doubt. I mean, Ringo Starr was acting in other movies apart from the Beatles movies. He, d- I mean, he held his own against Peter Sellers in a movie called The, um, the Magic Christian when basically he was this 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 person who who Peter Sellers took off the street as a bit like a Pygmalion story, who was a working class man and he turned him into this gentleman. And Ringo Starr was co-starring against Peter Sellers. Now, Peter Sellers was one of the top actors at the time and Ringo Starr held his own on the screen with that great icon. And he also did a film called The Caveman, where he had absolutely no dialogue because he's playing a caveman. So he had to do it all through facial expressions, through mime, through... Through the suggestion. So actually, Ringo Starr alone was a good actor before even doing any of the movies. But then you watch A Hard Day's Night and you see John Lennon, and John Lennon has an amazing scene in Hard Day's Night when he's being chatted up by a girl in a corridor who doesn't think he's the real John Lennon. And it's this lovely dialogue between the two of them. It's, it feels improvised, it feels very natural, feels like there's no acting going on. And then when she realizes at the end that he's not the real John Lennon, he gets kind of hurt. And there's this lovely expression on his face that, oh, you don't think I am John Lennon, but I am John Lennon. <laughs> and it's, it, uh, that shows an acting depth, which I think he had. I think they were, they were both very good actors. But as, a, as my favorite Beatle, as a talent musically,
1: it's got to be John Lennon. Oh, John Lennon. So yeah. but before we leave the acting question, I recently saw Paul McCartney's uh short film Who Cares, in which he acts <laughs> Does alongside anyone care? Emma Stone. <laughs> right. Oh wow. And and I thought, well, hang on a minute. Paul McCartney must have had so many opportunities to act. Yes. Which he hasn't done o- no. over the years. He's too busy. And, and when God. I saw Who Cares, I, I kind of realised why. Yes. Um, yeah. But you know, the music, of course, is 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 fantastic. And you know, it has been through the solo career. I mean, Rupert and the Frog Chorus has its knockers. Um, but <laughs> what you know, and I I, I love I love his mid eighties hit Press as as well. Oh, please. So please. I, I saw
3: Paul McCartney in concert. I don't know why I went to the stable centers and saw him. And and it was the most annoying thing I've ever seen. Because really? Because at the end of every song he raises his guitar in the air like salute the Paul salute <laughs> the Paul as mark of a star bow down to the Paul see the Ringo would never pole. do that Ringo way was like, too Ringo would say really like, this one's a bit rubbish <laughs> but I hope yeah, you enjoy it. Ringo. Ringo, Ringo said I'm sorry this is really crap but I'm going to play it anyway because I'll roll <laughs> tips." you know but Paul McCartney's <laughs> up there singing his honestly he said I've got a new song it's called uh, Interstate one two three floor got my foot on the floor five six seven eight driving down the interstate
1: that was his new song I'm going <laughs>
2: We kind of misses
3: Lennon as a co-writer does he he
2: write that on the do we need to get copyright on that
1: Well, there's an argument. Now, uh, so you were making the case that your favourite Beatle is John Lennon. Why? Because he's the coolest or the best musician? Best
3: musician, Mm -hmm. without a doubt. I mean, I I, I don't know what happened to Paul McCartney. There's that great theory that Paul McCartney died, and then someone came back and in, has been impersonated. person like Avril Lavigne.
1: Right, right. Avril Lavigne apparently like died a few years ago and was replaced by lookalike. Exactly. Look it up on the internet; it's there, all true. Just Google it. There is, the, there, there is it. A, there, fake but Avril that, Lavigne. That
3: started with Paul McCartney. Yeah. There was a rumor years, as an urban legend that Paul McCartney yes. died soon after the Beatles, and like, I sort of, and, and someone came out and is is doing Paul McCartney because
2: he, no he has no talent anymore. We should have asked no
3: Angie and talent. Ruth McCartney if I that's the case. But I mean, John Lennon. I mean, okay, Paul McCartney and John Lennon wrote together and they created. these amazing songs but I do wonder how much of it was John Lennon and Paul saying can I do a little bit here that does that because that'll sound quite cool and then I think George Martin is really important in the whole picture I think that George George Martin I think as far as the best Beatle I agree with with uh Angie saying saying that the George
1: Martin was he was the creative in in he made the music the gel force. and work. But yeah. talking of Georges, we've hardly said anything about George Harrison. Now no, uh, a lot of people sort of make the case uh, for him. Talk Best about- facial hair. Best facial hair. Best facial
2: hair. That's, hair, his, yeah. that's his,
1: his
3: contribution. Yeah, well, he was, and he
2: was the sexiest. Come on. He, he was, was yeah, he was. He was the sexiest. Why was I he? I think he was the best looking. Does anyone he... love Paul
3: McCartney? Paul really? McCartney no, I wonder who Paul McCartney is. No, look boy's at pictures of him and stuff.
2: No, Paul McCartney's never been good looking. Never. And neither has John Lennon, arguably. But I think George Harrison had it all. Really, he had right. it all. He had the talent, he had the looks. You know. And a
1: fantastic solo career as as, as well, yeah, you yeah, know some yeah. uh, some some great songs. Yeah. I mean, right through from the solo stuff to working with the Traveling Wilburys, you know, always yeah. sort of interesting uh, output. Moved into the film world as well, yep, didn't he? Yep. As, a, as, a, as a film producer as yep. uh, as, as well, and uh, introduced Indian food to the UK. Apparently, that's what I everyone said. Yeah, <laughs> so there we go. We've learned uh, we've learned. <laughs> well, the George uh, Harrison uh, version uh, of a, Indian lot, uh, uh, Interesting
2: today. enough, they they all learned to meditate back in the sixties when they went to India. The Maharishi Mahesh Yogi. And meditate, transcendental meditation. I do it too, really? but Ringo Starr is a big advocate for it. He still uh, does it. He learned in the '60s and he still does transcendental meditation. And he, you know, he works with the David Lynch charity to to, to make sure that veterans and children in underpoverished areas learn how to meditate because it gives them a, a better quality of life. So
1: before I reveal the vote for who is the best Beetle. Um, a word about the uh, the history of our little project here. Who's the best started out as a series of live debate shows at Hollywood's premier Art House Movie Theatre Arena Cine Lounge on Sunset Boulevard. It's known for staging great films and great events. It's where we're recording this podcast today. Check it out at arenascreen.com. Now, our audience at the live show was, was polled on this. Uh, so were members of the Brits in LA community. Basically, everyone the three of us has met, you know, <laughs> over the last few weeks. We've done a comprehensive... Yep survey. Yep. Everyone's got an opinion on this. Everyone loves the Beatles, but who do they love the most? Well, I am about to announce the results. Drum roll, drum roll. <laughs> Emma, it's not Ringo. It oh, <laughs> <sorry. laughs> You didn't do enough. In third place, according to our vote of listeners and Beatles fans, in third place... <sighs> John Lennon. What? what? Yeah, yeah. Who are these people? Good John... enough for him. Good no, enough for him. John yeah, yeah, can't Lennon. Be, yeah. No, can't third place. Yeah, no, please not.
3: It's
2: gonna In be George Harrison. He's gonna
1: be the winner. Second place.
3: <sighs> Tension's killing me. Please not.
1: Paul McCartney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that means, wow. according to our extensive vote among listeners. Podcast listeners are Beatles fans. The best Beatle is
2: George Harrison. Okay, I'm not going to argue with that. that oh, is, that's amazing. Yeah. Okay. Congratulations.
1: George Harrison <laughs> well is the best Beatle. That is such a surprise and in yeah. ways controversial, controversial winner. Indeed. It's great to know there's so much love out there for George yeah. Harrison. Well I down, think George. when we started this, you know, all of us apart from Emma thought, it would be lennon or mccartney yeah, yeah, yeah. as the uh, as the winner and what a tribute well a talented group so the public have spoken they the best Beatle have. is george harrison incredible very close contest but he edges it i'd like to thank our guests today angie mccartney ruth mccartney and matt goss thanks to our podcast producer dave king thanks to composer liz rossi for our theme tune and most of all Thanks to you, the listener. Any uh, final thoughts after that
2: shock result? Well, no, I mean, I'm not, I'm not really surprised. I mean, let's give it to George. Okay, I'm happy that George won. I'm Too not, bad he's not here to pick I mean, up it's, his award.
3: It is, it is a shame he's not here to pick <laughs> up his award. I mean, yeah, I think, I think we, we, we we done him wrong. I think we'd done him wrong. We didn't, we didn't talk about him enough because I think actually, obviously, he's got a, 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 a huge following. So, George, well done, mate.
1: Well done, George. Uh, I hope please. you can hear
2: us wherever you are, George.
1: Absolutely. And I hope you can get podcasts up there and uh, <laughs> listen to the next Who's the Best. <laughs> and George and the rest of you, check out our show on social media. We're on Twitter and Instagram as Who's the Best Pod.
2: And you can follow me on Instagram at Emma M. Pine. And my website is Emma dot com.
3: And you can listen for my new upcoming record because this has influenced me to go and write a song.
2: Great! (laughs) Will it be as good as Ringo's output? We can only. I play the tambourine. (laughs) Yes,
1: aspire to be like George Harrison—that's for sure. This is Sandro Manetti saying, "See you next time when we'll debate more pop culture icons and decide who's the best." Who's
0: the 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 best?
1: This podcast has been a Right Angles production.